0: Let's all stand together, please. Take your hymnal. Let's go to page number 261. He's able, he's able, I know he's able.
1: to see he's able, he's able. I know he is I know my lord is able to carry me through let's turn back to hymn number 190 hymn number 190 and let's sing out on constantly abiding
0: hands with those around you. Let them know you're glad to see them here in the Lord's house. It's so good to see each of you this evening. I do have a couple of announcements for you. Ladies Fellowship on uh, February 9th at 6.30. Ladies, please be in your places for that. And uh, you'll always, uh, well, the ladies always enjoy that. It's, and I always enjoy the cupcakes and the things that Miss Amy brings home. That's always a blessing. Amen. <laughs> um, also, uh, month of missions next month. Uh, let's be, uh, be begging God for great and mighty things done through us and uh, reaching more and doing more than we ever had before. And then also our home rally will be the third Friday of the month. Uh, our speaker, Brother McBride, you've already heard, he's going to be having surgery coming up on February 2nd. Uh, he was confident that he was going to be able to be with us, but but that's not going to happen. Uh, he's not going to be with us to kick off our month of missions either. Uh, so let's be praying for him and, and uh, that things will go smoothly with that. Also want to say thank you to all the workers for um, all the work that was done out there at, um, at the park today, putting together those 2,000 hot dogs. Um, a lot of hot dogs going out. It really wasn't 2,000, it just felt like it. Um, had a good time with the kids out there. Had 141 on the buses today. Um, I do believe that's the highest number we've had in some time, other than Big Day. Uh, Had a number of young people saved today, so thrilled about that, and uh, I certainly don't want to embarrass Riley, but I'm so proud of her on the way home on her bus today, she was able to take the word of God and lead another young person to the Lord today, so I'm very thrilled about that. Train up, train up a child in the way they should go, Amen. And we want to raise soul winners around here. Good to see you tonight.
1: Please take your hymn book out and turn to hymn number four hundred ninety-six. Hymn number four hundred ninety-six. Please stand and join me. Hopefully, you um, know this one. If not, this is a hymn that I grew up uh, grew up with, and I don't know. I guess maybe I should have looked and see if we have ever sung it. You know, Miss Sherry. Okay, great. Here we go. How I praise thee, precious Savior, that thy love lay hold of me. How to-
2: And so, therefore, our Sunday school attendance been way down since COVID started. And uh, but today it was good to see the buses back up to 141. Um, there there was a time before COVID we were averaging 300 on the buses, but we're happy to have have that many. And also in our Sunday school, we uh, this this was the highest attendance since Big Day. We had 333 in our Sunday school this morning, so that was great. And um, so far this year, and a lot of these now are, they're not people that's going to ever come to our church, but it's people that have been led the Lord. And uh, so far this year, we've had 55 people that we know of Amen. that have been saved through the ministries of our church. A lot of those through the jail ministry, and, and we, we probably will, will never see them. Um, and and then also uh, kids through the bus ministry and junior church and all that. Uh, of course, those kids are with us, but but uh, we don't see them out here. These uh, these are folks that are that are saved in, back in our uh, other services, and so we don't see them here. So, uh, but we thank the Lord for that. Uh, we were talking about in Sunday in our uh, teacher meeting about. Uh, churches that go for a whole year and never have souls saved and for us in one month and even though it is in ministries that will not um, you know they will not come here it's not going to help us attendance wise or financially anything like that but but yet uh, there will be rewards given in heaven uh, for uh, the people here in our church that have, they're overseeing taking part in those ministries and seeing all those people saved I understand that Arthur had 21 people in his jail service 21 people saved in his jail service turn around here Arthur and let me see you smile how about that I knew I didn't see him this morning I think he was up somewhere yonder. up he was not over the ground and uh, but that that's great and Riley, stand up, Riley. Here's a teenage soul winner right here, isn't that something? Amen. And we're so happy, so happy for that. Uh, I remember the first the first person I ever personally led to the Lord, and I was so happy about it. And I told the Lord, I said Lord, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And I didn't know that He was going to take me up on it and and make me make me be involved in it, but what a what a life, the life of a soul winner. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Pray for those that are sick. We do have a number of folks that are out sick. Gina and Jack both are sick with some kind of uh, things, running temperature and all that, whatever it is that's going around. Uh, so pray for them. And I'll do this again because I, I don't have my list with me of all of those that are sick. If you have an unspoken request, raise your hand. All right. For the flowers, would you lead us in prayer? Amen. Yeah, amen. 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 Turn your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. I'm your special tonight. (laughs) 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 Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I had, uh, one of our ladies had had, uh, made a comment to me, a couple of Sundays ago as she was leaving about um, and, and actually she was asking about Mary and um, why God chose Mary he said i know I know that you know the Bible says she was pure and dedicated and all those but said there were probably a lot of other young women that were jews that were that also were pure and all that and and so and you know I was thinking about that and I thought about You know, it'd be a good study to to uh, pick out some of the most outstanding women of the Bible and uh, teach them lessons. So it started on Wednesday night, and we had we had a lesson on Wednesday night. But then I was thinking about, you know, one of the one of the greatest uh, studies that you can do, and this is something you can do in your devotionals and in your study own study of the Bible, is to uh, study the characters the characters of the Bible. Uh, God, God, he doesn't hold back. You know, I mean, he tells all the bad things, well, it's good. And um, so I was thinking about, and of course, month of missions coming up, faith, our faith promise offering, and and we're talking a lot about faith. And so I, I thought about here in chapter 11, and there's a list of, I believe it's like 17 people that are listed here, that uh, you know had great faith, and it it talks about them, and so I wanted to start a, a series of lessons or messages on these uh, heroes of the faith, these people that are mentioned here that had great great faith. Um, <clears throat> and this is called sometimes this is called the the Hall of Fame of Faith, and I I was. Uh, and reading about some of the, you know, some of the comical things that that uh, uh, take place, and I was amused at some of the some of the uh, various halls of fame that that uh, people have. I heard of one uh, recently that was called the Turkey Callers Hall of Fame. And I also read about a woman in South Carolina that had her name put in the Chitlin Cookers Hall of Fame. Some of you don't even know what chitlins are, do you? <clears throat> a man on TV claimed to be in the Tobacco Spitters Hall of Fame. <clears throat> hall of Hall of Famers, those who have excelled in a particular area. And God gives us some people in the Bible that excelled in their faith life, in their walk with Him. You know, I preached uh, recently about about faith and about what. Faith, what real faith is, and real faith works. It, it's, it's an active word. It, it's not passive. Uh, but faith, faith would not be real if it didn't work. Uh, James said faith without works is dead. That is a faith that does not produce works. It's a dead faith. And um, if, if, if we did if we didn't see it working in the lives of others, we'd never, we'd never realize, understand <clears throat> that. That they claim to have faith, would we? So I want us to look at uh, these characters and, and learn from them. Um, the disciples, one time when they were with the Lord, they, uh, when He was here on the earth, they they asked Him uh, to do something for them. They didn't ask that He would increase their power to cast out demons or to perform miracles, but they did ask Him to. Do two things. You probably know what it is, don't you? Teach us to pray and to increase our faith. Increase our faith. I believe it's yet to be seen what God can do with a group of people who are exercising Bible faith in him. So look with me here at Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to begin here and look at uh, this person mentioned here in verse 4. Hebrews 11 verse 4. It says by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, and that's an interesting uh, word, statement there, more excellent sacrifice by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying <clears throat> of of his uh, gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh the first the first man in this in God's Hall of Fame, here is a man named Abel. <clears throat> the acceptance of Abel is a picture of the acceptance of every child of God. In Hebrew or Ephesians chapter one verse six, it tells us that we have been accepted in the Beloved. The Bible tells us that we. We receive Christ, but it also tells us that Christ accepts us. We receive him by faith, but because of Calvary, he accepts us. Abel was accepted by God. Back in the book of Genesis, chapter four and verse four, it tells us that God had respect unto Abel. But why why was he accepted? But the only reason he was accepted by God was that he brought the right kind of offering. The Bible here calls it an excellent offering. He brought an offering that God accepted. That's what made it excellent. It was an offering that God accepted. The only reason that we're accepted by God, received by God, saved by God, claimed by God, is that we have claimed the right offering for our sin. And I capitalize, capitalize that word offering. I'm not saved because I'm an American, or because of the color of my skin, or because I'm a Baptist preacher. <clears throat> I've been accepted in the beloved because I claimed the blood of Jesus Christ as my offering. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Than Cain, They each offered a sacrifice, but one of them was accepted, and the other was rejected. <clears throat> I love the adjective used here. It, it was a more excellent sacrifice. That means it had more value, more virtue. It was better than all the others. If you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior, you do not have excellent salvation. He is a more excellent Savior. He has a more excellent name. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was a more excellent sacrifice. It's more excellent than church membership, more excellent than water baptism. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh what is so much more excellent about the offering that Abel gave to God as opposed to that of Cain that caused him to be accepted this is a good picture of our Lord Jesus Christ who went to Calvary and bled for us so that we could claim salvation in him so I want to I want us to talk about that that uh, that offering here a little bit <clears throat> um and, and why it's more, a more excellent uh, offering. And the first, uh, my first point here tonight is it was a selected offering. You go back and read of this account in Genesis, you'll see that, that Abel did not give God just any lamb out of his flock. He didn't, he didn't offer to God just anything that you know, just happened to come by. No, Abel picked out the best. He selected one that he felt would please God. I submit to you that Jesus is the selected Savior. He's not just any kind of a Savior. He's not one of many. He's the only Savior. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And there is is no other hope outside of Jesus Christ. There's no salvation Outside of Jesus Christ. He is the selected Lamb of God. He's the one that has God's approval. He is the one that won God's touch. Outside of Jesus there is no sacrifice. And there is no Savior. He is the selected Lamb of God that died for our sins. In Genesis 4 verse 4 it says that Abel gave him of the firstlings of his flock. That word firstlings, that's an interesting word. That particular lamb, that particular one of the flock that Abel gave was the only one like that. The firstling, the firstling of the flock. Not there's not two firstlings. There's only one. There can only be one firstling. Adam was a son of God, and Noah was a son of God, and Abraham was a son of God. And all that are saved are sons of God. But he only had one begotten son. There was only one like Jesus. There was no other. Abel gave his best on the altar that day. And when God gave Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, he gave his best. Hallmark had a a motto on their Cards uh, some time back, I don't know if they still do or not, but when you care enough to send your very best, that's God. God cared enough to send his very best. All other saviors, all other doors, all other ways are inferior. Jesus was selected because he is superior and a more excellent sacrifice. I don't, I don't like the line in one song that says that they searched through heaven to find a Savior. There was no search involved. In Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Peter said that God delivered Jesus to be crucified by his determinate counsel and foreknowledge. God did not look through the angels and fail to find a Savior. He didn't look through the prophets without being able to find a Savior. I believe he looked at his right hand And there was his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, co-equal with him and with him from the foundation of the world. He was a selected Savior, and there was no searching for him. There were no goats counted. There were no contests made. It was determined before God laid the mud seals of this earth that one like Jesus, the Son of God, would be the selected Savior. That's what makes him acceptable. I've not come by the way of religion. I've not, I've not come uh, by, the, by church membership. I've not come by water baptism. I've come by the way of the cross. I've not come by the way of the Baptist church. I've come by the way of the cross. I've not come by the way of the independent fundamental movement. I've come by the way of the cross. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. I claim Jesus, and that's enough for me. When Abel gave that offering, when he made that sacrifice, it was a selected offering. Number two, it was a spotless offering. I believe the lamb, the first thing that he gave was without spot and without blemish. Talking about Abel. Even though it doesn't mention spots and blemishes in Genesis chapter 4, God never breaks the tie. When he tells Moses to get a lamb, it has to be without spot and without blemish. When he tells Israel they need a lamb, it was to be without spot and without blemish. When he tells the high priest to bring the sacrifice, it is without spot and without blemish. The lamb that Abel brought as an offering did not have a broken foot or even a broken toenail. It didn't have a bleeding ear, any kind of wound or gaping sore. It was the best. It was without spot and without blemish. There was no fault in it. It was a perfect sacrifice. The reason I can claim that I'm saved and on my way to heaven is that the sacrifice that I claim, the Savior I claim, is without spot and without blemish. He is the holy, pure, perfect, indispensable, impeccable, capable Lamb of God that did not sin, could not sin, never has and never will sin. One time I got into discussion with a man who told me that he didn't believe in the impeccability of Jesus Christ. I told him that I believe that Jesus did not sin and could not sin. And he said, I believe that he didn't sin, but I believe that he could have sinned. If he couldn't have sinned, then why was he tempted? I said, if he, if he had sinned, he wouldn't have been the perfect sacrifice. If he had sinned, then that means that he was just simply a man and therefore he could have been tempted but he was also God and he couldn't sin even though tempted. He couldn't and he didn't and you better be glad that he didn't. Hebrews 7.26 says, For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, Separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. His mind never had a wicked thought. His hands did not once pull a shady deal. His heart never had an unholy motive. His feet never walked a crooked path. His lips never uttered a sinful word. Even his enemies had to bow their heads and say, I find no fault in him. And after 64 years of knowing him and preaching his word, I too say, I find no fault in Jesus. I find no fault in his mercy. I find no fault in his love. I find no fault in his grace. He's pure, holy, perfect, and the spotless Lamb of God. And the blood that flowed through his body was perfect and pure and sinless blood. Now, I thought all Baptists believed that. But I got in a discussion one time with a Baptist who said he didn't believe that. And I said, if I didn't believe that, then I wouldn't call myself a preacher, much less a Baptist preacher. And he said, brother, the blood in the body of Jesus is just like our blood. And I said, well, if it was, then we're not saved because sinful blood cannot purchase sinless salvation. Abel offered blood, but it only covered over his sin for a while. Brother, if you want your sins to be forgiven forever, it has to be the permanent blood of Jesus Christ. I I met a man who didn't believe in the virgin birth because he said it was an impossibility. He said there had to be a papa and a mama to make a junior. When I reminded him that Adam had no mama or papa, nor a grandma or grandpa, he had no answer. Adam was created by the hand of God. Adam became a living soul when God breathed into his nostrils and brought him to life. If God can reach down into the womb of the earth and make a man out of some clay, cannot that same God reach down in the womb of a virgin and bring forth a son named Jesus who is holy and divine, pure, sinless, and undefiled? One of the most intriguing books I've ever read was one about the blood. It was written by a medical doctor who got saved, and then he became a Baptist preacher, or a preacher, I'm not sure if he was a Baptist, he became a preacher. His name is M.R. DeHaan. He's now in heaven, and the book was entitled The Chemistry of the Blood. Many of you have read that book. He went through through the uh, stages of conception, including the umbilical cord, the placenta, and how it attaches the baby to its mother, and how water and fluid and nutrients and vitamins and strength and nourishment pass from the mother to the little baby. But he made this statement, not one single drop of blood ever passes from mother to child. There are cells in our bone marrow that manufacture blood. <clears throat> At conception, <clears throat> DNA comes from the male side of the conception. The, the blood is from the male. And that's why a woman drops her last name and takes on her husband's last name. <clears throat> that's why now all of our children are called by the husband's name. You say, well, what does that got to do with Jesus? Well, Jesus had an earthly mother by the name of Mary. He was conceived and grew in her womb, but she didn't give him her blood. That came from the male side of the conception, the eternal blood of God Almighty. Jesus was the sinless seed of the sovereign God of the ages. God's holy and divine blood never lost its power that pure, holy, and undefiled blood was the only kind of blood that God would accept. It was called in the book of Acts, the blood of God. And God accepted Abel's offering because his offering was selected and his offering was spotless. And then third, it was a sacrificial offering. That sacrifice that Abel offered had to die. That's what got Cain in trouble he offered God a bloodless sacrifice. <clears throat> I don't believe that Cain offered God bad fruit. I think probably it was all perfect, that it uh, beautiful. I believe that the fruit that was offered was beautiful and, and it had a good smell and probably the best he had, but his best was not good enough. And the best that religion can produce is not good enough. Abel came with a little lamb whose blood was shed, and God said, that's what I'm looking for. That lamb was a sacrifice. Jesus was born of a virgin. He led a sinless life. He healed the sick, raised the dead, healed the lepers, still the storm, fed the 5,000, and preached great sermons and offered great prayers. But that's not what saves us. It's not the life of Jesus. That saves us. If Jesus had gone to heaven after doing all that, we'd still be without hope and without God. We'd be lost in sin and on our way to hell. But thank God Jesus went to Calvary and died to satisfy the justice of God. His shed blood satisfied the wholeness of God. He shed his blood, tasted death for every man. He is the sacrificial lamb of God, the more excellent sacrifice. In Egypt, God didn't tell his people to uh, to get a lamb and tie it to the porch or put it in a pen. He told them to kill the lamb, slay the lamb. When he passed through the land of Egypt that night, he was looking for only the blood of the lamb. He said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. They could, take, they could have taken a lamb, they could have, a family could have taken a lamb, and they, they could have uh, checked it out to see that, that it was spotless without blemish in every way. <clears throat> but if they had not slain that lamb, if they had not shed the blood of that lamb, that would not have been the proper offering. If they had just knocked it in the head and killed it, that would not have been. A proper his blood had to be shed. And then number four, a successful offering. The Bible says, the wages of sin is death, and the soul that sinneth it shall die. Now that's God divine, divine justice. man's death and man's payment. but God is so much more than just, he is holy. And as God's justice had to be satisfied, so the wholeness of God had to be satisfied. You remember in Isaiah chapter 6, the uh, when Isaiah, he's seeing God high and lifted up on his throne, and, and the seraphim, they're around him, and they're praising, and they're singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Holiness, God's holiness is the, Outstanding—I don't know how to say this any differently—but the outstanding attribute of God. Everything else, all all the other attributes, spring from God's holiness. That's why the the seraphim were saying, "Holy, holy, holy!" Not mercy, merc- merciful, 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 or or uh, or just justice, as justice, as just They were saying, "Holy, holy, holy!" Is the Lord God Almighty. And you can, if you stop and think about it a little bit, uh, you, can re- you can come to realize why that all the other attributes are out of God's holiness. It is God's holiness that produces justice. God is a just God. Why? Because he's a holy God. God is a merciful God. Why? Because he's a holy God. So God's holiness has to be satisfied. When Jesus shed his holy, precious, pure, undefiled blood, that satisfied the wholeness of God. And when Jesus died, it satisfied God's justice. He's the sacrificial lamb of God who died for our sins. And there is no other fountain. There is no other way for us to be saved outside of the blood and Jesus' sacrifice. That's why Jesus cried from the cross, it is finished. It is finished. He was saying, it's been done, and it shall, be, it shall remain done forevermore. It'll never be repeated. It'll never have to happen again. The offering that Abel brought to God was accepted because it was selected, it was sacrificial, it was spotless, and it was successful. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. It wasn't Abel that testified. What does it say? God testifying. Genesis chapter 4, verse 4 says, The Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. God God liked it. God received that. He respected that. It was successful. The sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross of Calvary was not turned down by God. It was successful. God accepted it. He received it. He gave it the thumbs up, you might say. He said, you come to me that way, and I'll open the doors. I like... A, I like studying uh, on the tabernacle, preached a series of lessons. Some, uh, It's been several years ago now on the tabernacle because each time I do, I find things that I hadn't seen before. The high priest went behind the veil, and if he had any unconfessed sin in his life, he was smitten before God and died right there. In reality, the whole time he was behind the curtain, those on the other side of the curtain had no idea what was going on. They didn't know if he'd been accepted, rejected or smitten by God. I can see those Old Testament saints as they walk up and down the sand on the outside of the tabernacle. Their high priest had had them on his heart. He's gone behind the veil. But they have no idea whether or not God is pleased. They they wait in anticipation, hoping that God will accept it. That is the offering, the blood offering. They will see that glory cloud. You know how they found out whether or not it was accepted? At the end of the atonement, that's what what that was called, the, the atonement, When the last drop of blood was put on that mercy seat and the high priest could sense the coming of that shekinah cloud, he would come out of the Holy of Holies. He would walk through the holy place. He'd walk into the court right past the altar where the sacrifice was made. He would stand at the door of the tabernacle. Now remember, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. That high priest would stand at the door of the tabernacle, lift up his hands in victory, and say, Shalom. That's the Hebrew word meaning peace. Jesus went to Calvary and shed his blood. They put him in a tomb. They sealed it with a stone and had soldiers guarding it. And then came the morning. Early on Easter Sunday morning, the stone was removed. Jesus stood, lifted up his hands and said, I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I tell you tonight, this is not Easter Sunday, although every Sunday uh, could be called Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. But I tell you tonight, Jesus lives. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. His offering was successful. God approved of it. God accepted it. God and God says if that's the way you're coming, I will open the door. I'll open the door. One of these days the trumpet's going to sound, and time shall be no more. We'll wave goodbye to this old world, and this robe of flesh will rise and seize the everlasting prize. We'll shout, why, passing through the air, farewell, old world, farewell, sin, farewell, cancer, farewell, heart disease. I'm going to my everlasting prize. And as we approach the gate, we hear the guardsmen of heaven say, what right do you claim to have to enter here? And we'll each each lift up our arms and say, hallelujah, I've been to Calvary. I've been washed in the blood. Jesus is my plea. Calvary is my plea. The blood is my plea. And thank God a million, trillion years from now, it'll still be the blood. The blood will never lose its power. Never lose its power. Hallelujah for the blood of God's Son. Successful. God accepts it and says, If that's the way you're coming, I'll open the door. And that's the only way to come through the open doors, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. God accepted Abel because his sacrifice was more excellent, and it was more excellent because it it was successful. And then the last point, it was a speaking offering. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. And that's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. Now, I want want to call your attention here to to something. It said, uh, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, the new testament, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. In Genesis chapter 4, Cain slew Abel, and God came, began to deal with Cain. When God asked him where his brother was, he got a little bit sassy with God. He said, am I my brother's keeper? And God said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now listen the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now, whatever Abel's blood said to God, Hebrews chapter 12 says that the blood of Jesus speaketh better things than that of Abel. Now, we don't know what Abel's blood said, but there's another voice that comes from the throne of God. It's better than Abel's. It's better And I believe it says forgiven, saved, delivered, hell-proof and heaven-bound, paid in full, it's finished, neither do I condemn thee. If if my son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Thank God it's still the blood that cries out to God. And whatever it says, God likes it, and I like it. And the only thing I can say about myself is that I claim the blood. The hymn writer said, this is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow, no other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus' blood is speaking blood. Abel was accepted. He got in because of his sacrifice. And if you'll claim Jesus Christ as your Savior tonight, that'll be enough to get you in too. The door is open. Jesus says, I am the door. And by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. So what about it? Would you stand, please, heads bowed? Is there someone here tonight that you... Do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal self.